0: Hello ladies and gentlemen, grab a flashlight, put on your bravest
1: face, and get ready for The Haunt. Hi everybody, welcome back to another episode of The Haunt. I'm Dan Schenning, and today our first guest from the back Hattie. Um, She will be talking about haunted objects today. So this will be mostly her speaking, I will jump in and out periodically, but today we just get to enjoy her voice and the information that she brings um, to the haunt. So without further ado, Hattie.
0: So hi guys, I'm um, glad to be back, and I actually did some research for you, so I'm going to try and be more uh, systematic in my approach about telling you, um, yes... About haunted objects, but also about ghosts and demons a little bit. I just kind of want to break things down, because if anyone knows how I think, I think very systematically. Yes, you do. So, I, um, I want to start with saying like an overview. I'm going to kind of break down our ideas of what a haunted object is, because I think we kind of have common misconceptions. At least I do. I did research this a little bit. Um, then I want to talk about like the difference between a ghost and a demon, and how they can be attached to objects. Um, I'll go a little bit into haunted houses, because that's, like, one of my favorite things. And then I'm probably going to end it with some um, examples from, um, I guess, real cases, if you can
1: believe them. So that's where we're going to probably hear more (laughs) more of Dan coming in. You can't tell, because you can't see my facial expressions. But when she said real cases, I got, like, super excited, because I love those.
0: So those will definitely be creepy, and you'll probably recognize them. So... I'm mean, going to start it right off is what is a haunted item? So um, what I've kind of found out is it's something a ghost or a demon is attached to. So for example, uh, I think of like a music box or a photo album, um, a doll, <laughs> yes. a car, or um, even a house. So it's kind of hard to think of a house as an item, but that's kind of technically what it would be. Um, and I'll just, will clarify right off the beginning, it's not quite the same as possession, So, since an object was never alive, it can't be possessed. So, we'll say an attachment and possession are two different things, but they're similar. Um, Possession is kind of over, like, mind or the body of a victim, with or without their uh, permission. More to, like, a a human. um, Yeah.
1: Usually demonic.
0: Yeah. Usually possession would be demonic, which is a little unfortunate. But, um, so... If we're talking about demons, though, what is the difference between ghost and demon? That's something I really I struggle with because I just don't get it. But I um, I found a video online, and I'm sorry, it's from Buzzfeed, but oh. it's um, it was uh, what was their kind of like their more haunted aspect of Buzzfeed. And they Thomas, his name is Gary Thomas. Um, he's from in California, and since um, in 2005 he was how to perform exorcisms. Probably actually heard of his name before because he was uh, was based off of the movie, The Right, um, Which The Right <laughs> it's is... It's a good movie. Yeah, I, I loved it. Um, back when it came out, I went to go see it in theaters. It scared me. It scared me, yeah. So that's supposed to be a true story and he was uh, who the main character is based off of. So, um... About 50 to 75 exorcisms in 10 years. So he's something. Whether or not you believe in exorcisms working, he's done a lot of them. So here's what he said about the difference between a ghost and a demon. He says a ghost is a disembodied human soul. So kind of when we die, it would be what comes out of it. But he says that demon, these are his words, not mine, are preternatural. I'm not really sure what that means, but it's an angelic creature that rebelled against God. And he says that they're dying without God, so they seek out humans. And he says, number one, because they're parasitic, they feed off of us in some sense. And two, this one I have trouble believing, but he says they want them to, t- to they want to take us to hell with them. So <laughs> this leads me to, where do we go when we die? What do you mean, ghosts? Don't we go to
1: heaven? Don't we go to hell immediately? Like, what do you mean, our body's gonna hang around? So. It's clear, if you haven't picked up on it, we're both of the Christian tradition. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So if any of that seeps in to any of the podcasts, uh, I mean, if you're not Christian, I apologize for that. Uh, I I do my best not to let that overrule, but sometimes it seeps through. So we press on.
0: Yeah, and that's just one thing is exorcisms, part of demonology, is just it's inherently Catholic. You can't avoid it. So, I mean... I'm probably going to speak a little bit about Roman Catholicism, but I don't have too much about it. Um, So a ghost and a demon are are not really themselves living. They influence the living, but we don't really know kind of what they are. So um, he says, If places have spiritual attachments, do not invite them into conversation and do not create any tie with them. But most mm-hmm. of all, he says, do not be afraid of them. Mm. So, this, is, this was his advice to what the difference is. And if you're going somewhere that's haunted or has legends of like demons around it or something, just he says, don't be afraid. Mm-hmm. So, um, let's see. Since objects are not um, possessed, they're a- attached to, we have different things to consider now. Um, what is an attachment? So, um, a few months ago, I found hdparanormal.com, which sounds so, um, specific, (laughs) (laughs) but, um, so I, this is explaining, well, the article's called Explaining Spiritual Attachment, aka Haunted Objects. It was a blog by a lady named Jane Harris in September of 2016, and, um, she's been studying haunted objects since 1998, so that's, that's 20 years, folks, like, that's... That's a pretty long time. Wow. Um, Yeah. She says that um, limitations and abilities of universe around us may have connections to small, so she says not a house, objects in particular. So she says it's something we don't always focus on because we like big haunted things that have apparitions, but she says that We don't really know how the universe works, and there could be smaller things that have a lot of attachment. Like my little dinosaurs that are shoving the microphone right now. Yeah, your little dinosaurs could have some form of freaky attachment to them. (laughs) Um, Her 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 story was based on a photo album and a clock. Um, She had a clock that stopped at like eleven twenty, like every I think every week or something, or multiple times a week. And it was at her grandfather's clock. It turns out her grandfather died at 11.20. A.M. or P.M.? Um, I think it was A.M. Oh, that's and, interesting. And so she would get kind of like, not really freaked out, but she's like, okay, something's going on. Um, but she didn't think it was like paranormal or anything. But she remembers one day she heard a cough, which was her grandfather's cough. She heard a cupboard open. She heard something spill and the clock stopped. And this was all around 11.20. And she went to her kitchen and a photo album that was up in the cupboard that couldn't have fallen out of the cupboard was on the ground spilling photos of her grandfather oh. all over the ground. And she said that she didn't think he was there in the house, but she thought he was attached to the clock. So that was just a really, just, story. I could- that
1: gave me chills, though, because uh, anything's pretty weird. Especially when it's family-related, that's, that's, like, uh, it's hard to discount that. Yeah. Then you're, then you're arguing against somebody's grief, too, and you don't want to do that.
0: Well, yeah. I'd never tell her it wasn't <laughs> true, but like that was something that kind of made me think for a second as well. <laughs> um, let's see. Oh, she says the clock was manipulated by unseen force or energy, and so she calls it a sign of residual energy or an interactive spirit. So she says those are two different things. That could yeah. be happening.
1: Um, real quick, if you want more detail about the demon and interactive and residual spirits, like we just mentioned, you can refer back to the last episode where I talked about different types of hauntings. Plug for myself. But, um, it might also help you understand this uh, episode a little bit more.
0: Yeah. Yeah, you definitely want to, like, break some of this down. Because I'm, I'm just giving you the bare facts here. Like, this is what I'm, what I'm trying to wrap my brain around. Um... So she says by attachment, she believes that entity slash spirit slash energy. See, she, she adds in a lot of um, different... She covers all the bases, is what I'm saying. So I, I, I would love to break those down more with her, but I'd have to message her. I'm scared to. So, <laughs> um, so she says that those, the spirit or en- energy has a non-physical, possibly emotional or spiritual attachment to a piece, to an object. Mm-hmm. And she says it's either through prior ownership, um, or a case of displacement. So she talks about energy being transferred or absorbed by an object in, in like the locality of a, of a traumatic incident. So I was kind of like when I was sitting there, I'm thinking, what does she mean? But um, my example would be like if you have a cancer patient who dies while holding a teddy bear, maybe something could could latch onto that teddy bear some energy or emotion.
1: The energy of that. Um person, it goes back to what it was like a residual haunting, it's attached, usually due to a traumatic event, um, to a place or object. So that, that could very well be the case with something like that, I think.
0: Yeah. Yeah, she, she does qualify at the end of this, that she, this is her opinion, but I think that she's going more than opinion here. I think this is, this is pretty deep stuff, but, um... So she says a spirit is not actually physically attached to an object though this is this is where she's more on like shaky ground. She says that um something non measurable cannot be attached to something measurable. So she says we can't have evidence that a that a person is attached to an object because a person the spirit is not measurable but the object is so i I leave that I'll leave you to think about that um, not really sure how that works, but I I like the idea of energy more than a person's spirit being attached to an object. Um, so she says, um, if, if dealing with an object that appears to be, um, demonstrating unexpected energy, she says, it's, it's not a person's disembodied soul trapped inside the object. So, I I thought that was kind of nice and reassuring. So, it's not like her grandfather is stuck inside the
1: clock. It's just his energy from before he died is there. So, in cases like that, when somebody Mm -hmm. says, I feel my grandfather with me, even though their soul may not be there, you could still feel them with you because part of who they are, their energy is still there. Yeah. Basically.
0: That that actually is a good clarification. That makes sense. cool. (laughs) Um... So she says, here's what it could be. Basically what our friend just said here, but like leftover energy from an event with heightened emotions. So she says um, that caused the energy to manifest. Um, so like she says something like maybe from deep affections, so like you could have a wedding ring that has leftover like happy energy in it. So it could be that you get like a weird feeling when around your wedding ring because there could be leftover energy. Um, and she says case number two is an intelligent or interactive spirit or essence of a person with a direct link or a direct interest in an object. So it's not a haunted object, but it's more like, like, a, like a magnet that is provoking activity. Um, so I, that's that's basically what she's been telling me. And I'm like, I think I agree with this. Like this is a pretty bare bones, pretty under, understandable. It seems scientific, even if it might not be, I, I like it. <laughs> Um, so I, I personally, I've told you before, but I love haunted houses. So I'm going to go into houses a little bit here because I think they're cool. And I think they're kind of a strange case for a haunted object. Uh, I love houses. But she says that haunted houses, or well, this is actually me talking now. I, I think it's based on some of her thoughts, but this will be my thought, I guess. Um, haunted houses are objects, but they're larger. So I think there's chances for more energy um, more experiences within inside the house and there's just more people more traffic that go through houses rather than um touching a wedding ring or holding a doll um, it's something that we dwell in we seek comfort in basically we spend like a majority of our lives indoors like we're not really connected with the outdoors anymore um, there's a lot of deaths indoors. Like, think about hospitals. It's mostly where people, where people go and, and die is in hospitals or nursing homes. Yeah, uh,
1: unfortunately.
0: Like, so, there's, like, collections of possibly haunted objects inside houses. There's, like, just everything manifests itself, like, in houses now. So, it makes sense that the houses would be haunted. It, it's
1: true. What we now call the living room would have actually been called the death room. Uh, Yeah. in the past, and it was literally set up so that's where people who lived in the house would die, and then the funeral and viewing would be in that room. So it was called the death room before we so, thankfully, changed its name to a living room, where we now do our living instead of, hopefully, our dying.
0: Yeah, that that actually leads me to a caveat, just really quickly, is, like, people grump, especially skeptics like myself, (laughs) but we grump about, um, how come there's a bunch of ghosts from the 1800s inside houses? How come there's not modern ghosts? Well, think about it. People don't die in their houses anymore. People die in hospitals. So the only people who died in their houses are basically from like the 1800s, early 1900s. So we could find more ghosts there. So I that's just something that has been bugging me now <laughs> that I've been doing research. Um, so haunted houses are probably more like houses with attachments, but... I guess there could be something such as a haunted house because we hear of um, maybe more powerful or violent ghosts or, or demons inside house hauntings. So in, in that case, it might be maybe less of a memory or an essence and more of an intelligent manifestation. So um, more apparitions because a room full of apparitions like, is like a possibility, like maybe things work together to make things more um, aggressive or more something is off. Like you walk into a room and it, it might be like a couple of objects that are together to make things more off-putting, but I don't really know. I, I have to do more thinking about it This is something you guys can think about too. Um, but if something is haunted by spirits, it's, you're more likely to see odd things in a house even when it's abandoned because the attachment is to the house so, like, if someone says, yeah, I heard screaming from a house, it's more likely, like a, like, a haunting of, like, a ghost, or if they said, yeah, I saw, like, this white lady in the window or something, you're like, oh, good, that's my neighborhood, but no, you would say, <laughs> you would say, oh, okay, They're so maybe something is that. attached to that house. <laughs> like, it's, so that's what I think of when I think of, like, ghost attachment, but if it's haunted with demons, like, if it's attached, I guess the place is attached with demons, it's more likely from occurrences um, to start happening slowly over time with you, the person, as the main attraction. So I, I can't imagine demon occurrences happening inside a house that doesn't have people inside of it. Because demons are attracted to people. They feed off you. <laughs> it's true. So, um, so if you're not sure what an object with a demon would look like, both ghosts and demons can be angry or hurtful, is, is what I understand, but demons are more aggressive. So think of a doll that causes bad feelings, and then mysterious fires start breaking out around it, versus a creepy doll that is growing nails and giggles at nighttime. So I'm going to hand over the microphone to my friend here, and he's going to give you a couple, maybe case studies that would help you break this
1: apart. <laughs> Dan is back, and it's good. Uh, quick thing, there are thunderstorms all over our town today, so if, like, there's a loud crash of thunder, we're just gonna roll with it, because atmosphere, (laughs) and it makes things sound cooler. Uh, so the case studies, well, I have two of them, both of them haunted dolls, and I'll tell you, I love both of these cases, and I followed them both. The first one is Annabelle, which is... You may know from the Conjuring and the subsequent movies, Conjuring Two, Annabelle, Annabelle Two. Mm-hmm. Um, I personally personally love this doll. I mean, in real life, it's just it's a regular doll. It doesn't look as creepy as the movies yeah. do, which I'm okay with because I don't like dolls as a basic <laughs> rule. Um, but the story is with this one is. Uh, two friends who were in a nursing program or something, uh, they, they got this and doll just to go in their apartment. And at first, it was just small things, like you know the doll would move around or something, and they just started... They just accepted it. They are like, okay, it's part of our life.
0: But they didn't see it moving? They just saw it in a different they position? They would see it in a different position. Okay. That's um, what I was wondering. And,
1: and then, uh, after that, um, they would come home from school or work or wherever... And they would find, like, notes written in, like, a child's handwriting saying, help me, or something like that, along those lines, which uh, is creepy in and of (laughs) itself. So they decided, they contacted a medium, you know, a psychic, and they did a seance to learn more about the the (laughs) doll. Um, Well, in this seance, they heard, learned that it was a little girl named Annabelle, uh, who died when she was seven and just wanted a place to stay and to be loved. So the the two people, they invited Annabelle to live in the doll, to inhabit the doll. Well, mistake number one, I suppose, was taking the doll. Mistake number two was inviting Annabelle because what Annabelle actually turned into was a violent demonic force which actually started to attack the uh, residents and their friends. And eventually, we get Ed and Lorraine Warren in uh, on the case, and the Catholic Church got involved. And now, Annabelle, that very lovely creepy doll, is sitting in the Warren Warren Museum. I believe it's in Connecticut, um, where you can go and you can see it. You can take pictures. You can't touch it.
0: Yeah.
1: (laughs) Um. You You won't be allowed to touch it. Um, but you can see this doll, which has become extremely famous over the past few years. And I love the case, and I'd love to go visit the doll myself. Um, personally. <laughs> because it would, I think it would be awesome. And as a lover of, the, of haunted things, it's like, yes, let's, let's do it. But this next doll I would not want to visit. It's an older doll, and just as famous, if not more so, than Annabelle. And his name is Robert the Doll. Now, before we talk about this, I want to kind of follow on a little tradition. I want to say first, Robert, I respect you. I'm not making fun of you. I'm not teasing you. This is all out of admiration.
0: Wait, remember what Thank Father you. Thomas says. He says, don't talk with them. He says, don't talk with them. But
1: that's just it. With Robert, you have, when you, usually when you're talking about Robert, or before you would take his picture, and I'll get to that, is you have to ask permission, and you have to make sure he's not, Offended by you, Um, but Robert the doll. It goes back to the eighteen hundreds. It was, I believe, Robert Eugene Otto was a boy who was given this doll, and he would start, uh, you know, just normal child things with it. And if he did something bad, he blamed it on the doll, and uh, went from there. And things escalated. Eventually, his parents passed away, and he inherited the house. Um, where he lived in. And when he got married, the his wife locked Robert up in the attic uh, because it scared her, <laughs> rightly so. People who would walk past the house could say they'd see Robert walking around, the doll, walking around um, in uh, through windows, and they could hear ch- uh, child laughter, even when Eugene, who was... The child who was given the doll, he went by Eugene when he grew up. Um, uh, they could see the doll moving. Eventually, Eugene passed, and Robert was moved to Key a museum in Key West in Florida. Is it Key West in Florida? I believe. I don't remember. And it's on. Uh, in- museum there. And you can go, and you can see Robert, and you can also take Robert's picture. But before you take Robert's picture, like I was saying earlier, you have to ask permission, because it goes that if you do not ask Robert's permission, you essentially get cursed. And there, there's... You can go online and, like, look this up. There are, are a bunch of stories of people saying, okay, I, I took pictures, but I didn't ask permission, and now all of a sudden this, this, and this. So, some... Some very bad things, and then some that aren't necessarily super bad, but still like unfortunate misfortunes, kind of unfortunate things, happen to these people. So what they do is then you write uh, an apology letter to Robert, asking for forgiveness and to remove the curse. I think then the curse gets removed and everything can go back to normal. Um, but the museum staff say they've seen Robert's smile, like turn to a frown. Uh, they've come in... Uh, to open the museum and there'll be fresh dust on the bottom of his shoes Mm -hmm. and he'll be facing a different direction in his little um, exhibit as if he's moving. Uh, Mm -hmm. So again, Robert, I'm respecting you. That's all I'm doing. Uh, My friend is respecting you. And we're just kind of admiring who you are, in case you're listening to us. Um, So those are kind of my real-life cases I have for this both of them I think are really great. Uh very creepy stories, if nothing else. And I I encourage you to look at those, uh do some research of your own on these two um dolls. Come to your own conclusions. Um I've come to mine, and I believe there's something to it, but that's also just me. Um So, there you have it. There's some real life cases. Uh two haunted objects. Anything else you'd like to add, Hattie? Yeah,
0: I um I'm just going to, kind of as a wrap up, I, I just want to, well, you guys can, can decide if the, you think the dolls are, um, I guess, attached with demons or with maybe just unhappy ghosts. Like, I guess you guys can do conclusions. They kind of sound demonic to me, but I, I don't really know. At least Annabelle does. Yeah, Annabelle sounds pretty creepy, but um, I just want to say the not all objects are like dangerous if they have an attachment. So think back to the clock from what I talked about earlier, that was her grandfather's clock. I did give some extreme examples. But um, keep in mind, living with a ghost versus living with a demon are, are very different. Demons, um, their relationship would be parasitic and you do not want to live with it. Ghosts can be bad, but if you have like a strange wedding ring that you just feel weird around, maybe you get giddy around it or something, it doesn't mean you need to get rid of it. Like ghosts, I don't think, they don't feed off of you. So I think you could live your life in a haunted house if it's haunted with ghosts, but you wouldn't be able to live a very good life with one with a demon. So um, energies are really what we call hauntings. So we can still call them haunted objects, but keep in mind they're like attached objects is what what we would think of as a common object. Um, And not all attachments need to be feared, is kind of my my ending point, that's that's where I'll stop chittering.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I do like that um, last little thing, that you don't have to fear everything, um, because some of it is just uh, energy or a spirit saying, you know what, I'm still here, I still have something I have to do, or I'm watching over you for whatever reason. It's actually very unlikely that the spirit is harmful to anyone. Uh, it's probably just as lost as it, the, that person's energy was when it was on Earth and is just looking for a, a way out, a way home, something, somewhere to be free. But with that, we are coming to the close of today's episode. I want to thank you all again for tuning in. And I love all of my listeners, and as this podcast grows, all the future listeners... Again, if you want to hear a specific topic or you have a question that you'd like me or my friend or anyone else to answer, you can shoot us an email at thehaunt at gmail.com. T-H-E-H, the letter four.
0: Number four. Number four.
1: (laughs) Unt at gmail.com. And who knows? Maybe you'll hear your topic or question on the podcast someday. That would be pretty cool. Yeah. So once again, thank you all so much for joining me on the haunt. And have a wonderful day. Take care.